Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We'll one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Hello and welcome back to the Knowledge is Power podcast. I'm your host, Max Willett, and we got another special guest for you today. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, that would be great. Hey, Max. Uh, I'm Tanya Carroll, and I'm really happy to be here today. Yeah, so uh, let's hear a little bit about you, you know, uh, where you're from, what business you're doing now, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure, thanks. Um, I am actually the publisher and area director of The Wickford Way, part of N2 Publishing, It's a neighborhood publication where we um, turn neighborhoods into communities and we put businesses in front of their ideal clients. Very cool. So what what kind of uh, put you in, you know, where'd you, how'd you find this company and, you know, why did you want to get into it? That's a great question, Max. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm curious because, I mean, I know you from BNI. Yeah. I've had a lot of guests from BNI on before. Um. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just met you through that and I was very curious because you said that you've only been doing this for a couple of years, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, two, two years. So yeah. um, just a little over two years ago, I was at a women's networking event. Um, I was there, uh, go- I was going through some soul searching for a year. My kids had just gotten out of, my, my youngest had just left elementary school and I was looking for my next thing to do, really. I was looking for a full-time replacement income, um, full-time opportunity. I didn't want to start from scratch. I was really looking for a business in a box. Um, I was introduced to an area director from another publication here in Rhode Island. And uh, she let me know that they were hiring here in Rhode Island. I didn't know what she did at the time. I didn't even know what company she worked for. We had coffee and she told me a little bit more about what she did. And um, it sounded great. And so I researched it and I applied for it and I got the job. (laughs) Great. And it's not sort of something where it's like, you're working in a particular spot all the time, right? Like you work out of your, you know, your house, right? Like exactly. you're able to run the business out of there. So it's almost like, um, I guess it's almost like a realtor, right? Because you te- you have a boss, but you technically don't. I mean, right? Actually don't have a boss. Yeah. So we're okay. franchised. Yeah, so, franchised. Yeah. yeah. So okay. my own boss, which that's not for everybody. I love it. Mm-hmm. I wanted flexibility. I've got kids who are still in school. I can't work the nine to five schedule. My husband at the time was still in the military and traveling a ton. So I just need to have that flexibility. And then when I was introduced to this company, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and by the way, guys, if you hear any background noise, it's my dog, Cody. He's (laughs) deciding to make all the noise possible within, you know, the first five minutes of the podcast (laughs) while we're recording. So, um, yeah, let's hope that he stay, he settles down and gets a little quiet here in a second. So, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'd love to hear your life story because I know you're not born in the United States. Cody, come here, bud. <laughs> I love <Come> him. <laughs> and uh, I know you weren't born in the United States, so I'd love to hear your story, you know, from where you're from. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, 
that's the the big question. Where am I from? I've I've always thought maybe I'll write a book. Yeah. Because I have no idea where I'm from, Max. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that I was born in Egypt. Um, to parents who are from the Netherlands, they were stationed there working for the Dutch Foreign Service, the diplomats. Okay. And um, we moved every two, three, four years to a different wow. country. So, And then my parents got divorced, and then they each worked for the Foreign Service. So I got to see twice as many countries. Wow. So when you ask me where I'm from, I always say the Netherlands because that's where my grandparents were, and that's where we all – that was home base. Mm-hmm. Every summer we spent – at least a month month with them, but I didn't grow up in one particular place. So, so do you remember being in Egypt, like when you were a kid? But you visited there after, right? That's right. Okay. So I don't remember it from when I w- we technically lived there, but we went back when I was seven, and I remember that vividly. Yeah. All right. So, um, so did you? You went to uh, like a middle school and a high school right out there. I don't really know how schooling works. <laughs> So middle school, funny enough, we were stationed here in the States in D.C. So I did um, seventh through seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth grade, four years in the States. Um, And then I completed my high school in the Netherlands at a at a international boarding school, actually. So and uh, the reason I I went there was um, my parents were still in the States and I just needed a. Well, let me just put it this way. We <laughs> we were better off not all being together in the same house. I wanted to change the scene. I wanted to be um, near my grandfather. My grandmother just passed away. And, and there was a great opportunity to go to international school in the Netherlands. It was, like I said, a boarding school in a castle. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and uh, the castle's still there. The school is not. Um, and I did the international baccalaureate there. Okay. So do you want to like name off all the spots that you've lived or, you know, I don't know, quote unquote, visited for a long period of time? Because I'd love to hear like all, <laughs> like if you can name them off the top of your head. I want to try. I'll, I might miss some, but um, Egypt, as I said, yeah. um, Peru, London, um, the Netherlands, Belgium, um, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, which at the time was called Zaire okay. um, in Kinshasa. Um in Madrid, India, uh, and then also spent time in um, in Libya and Argentina, Pakistan. Um, I think I captured Belgium. Did I get Belgium? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. I think, okay, that's where I went to college. So yeah. I definitely spent time there. Okay. So I think that yeah, that's where I spent most. Wow. Uh, the furthest I've been away from here is Florida. <laughs> the furthest uh, west, or yeah, west I've been is Tennessee, which isn't really west. <laughs> but uh, the furthest north I've been is like barely in Canada. So, <laughs> oh, I've been to Canada too. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I didn't live there for a long time okay. or anything like that. Yeah, I, I've seen quite a few U.S. states as well. I got to spend time in Hawaii three yeah. times because my husband, you know, like I said, he's in the military. So, okay. We yeah. love to travel. Yeah, I mean, I am I'm I'm fascinated with with like the world. I don't, I mean, I don't have a lot of knowledge of geography. I mean, I think I do, but not really. I mean, I don't know nearly as much as you do. Um, but uh, especially Egypt, the pyramids are very <laughs> cool and I definitely want to visit there. You know, hopefully I can um, in the, you know, in the future. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, so obviously you live in the U.S. right now because we're in Rhode Island. <laughs> if if you could, you know, go back and live at any of those places that you've been, where would you settle down? Well, one place that um, I only visited a couple of times when my uh, dad was living there, so we didn't live there long term. But if you love history, which I do as well, and I love culture, I, I'd love to go back to Turkey. Okay. Um, yeah, Istanbul is what all I got to see, but it's. Um, I never would have thought that, to be honest. Like, I don't know. That's that's very interesting. Well, I think because when the first time I went there, I was about seventeen or eighteen, and I just learned a ton about the Middle East and Constantinople and and the changing of the, the cultures, really, mm. um, and 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 the religions and. And so walking around there and then seeing the Hagia Sophia and seeing all these buildings, I was like, oh, my gosh, I just learned about these. And so that really made an impression on me. Yeah, I mean, the the vast history that's there, because obviously, you know, the Middle East is dates back to the you know Bible and the beginning, the beginning, <laughs> literally, you know, like, um, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And you know, I just I got to go further place than uh, Orlando. So, yeah, <laughs> you must. <laughs> This country has a lot of history also. Um, yeah. You know. History that hasn't even been discovered yet, which is what we're finding, you know, especially like, you know, on this continent in Mexico with, with right. all the, the pyramids that are being discovered, yeah. which is crazy. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I the Aztecs, right? That was that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what was the other ones? Mayas and the Mayas Incas. And the Inca. yeah, yeah. Okay. Going back to what? Eighth grade? history class yeah but uh yeah it's it's just amazing i mean i i've pretty much just been tucked away in this new new england area you know going between maine and rhode island and connecticut you know my whole life you know i've been to florida like maybe five times Mm -hmm. you know and i i don't know recently i've been on like some some texas thing where i want to go visit texas for a couple of days which i've never been to texas obviously but um i want to go check that out and see what it's like even if i nice places in texas yeah like even if i just flew there walked around for a couple days and left i'd be fine just to see what it's like right like i definitely found out that i don't like florida in august you know (laughs) (laughs) no no, i don't think many people do (laughs) it rains for two hours every day and it's 95 and incredibly humid and you just want to stay inside you know (laughs) whereas i think new england summers are awesome you know because i mean it gets hot but it's not really that humid right and it's like i don't know i like the summers here if you know, but if we had Florida winters here, it's just like California, I guess. It's always nice in California. Never been to California either. Depends where you yeah. are. San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. But San Francisco can get cold. Yeah. So um, let's talk about your college. You know, what you went to college in, where'd you say? In Belgium. Belgium. Yeah. Okay. So what was the name of the college? So um, I first went to the European University in Antwerp. Um, I did. Uh, an associate's degree in business and and I didn't really want to continue at that school I wanted to get a liberal arts education so I went to the um, translated it's the Free University of Brussels so the Vrije Universiteit Brussels um, and so they had a French speaking side and a Dutch speaking side of the university. Cause I don't know if you're familiar with Belgium, but they actually have three national languages. Really? Yes. It's a very small country of about 10 million, I believe. And, um, so they, the country, uh, most of the people speak either French or Dutch. Uh, okay. and then, or they call it Flemish and then, uh, and they call it Walloon. 
the French, and then there's also German speaking Belgium. But anyway, so a lot of the universities will have a French speaking side and a Dutch speaking side. Um, Boston University actually had a um, bachelor degree program with that university. So I was in that program. So I did all my schooling in English. But I got a diploma from the university, the Free University of Brussels. And what diploma was that? What was your major? Oh, my major was yeah. uh, poli-sci. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Political science. Yeah, okay. I wanted yeah. to follow my parents' footsteps. I wanted That's to be great. a diplomat, too. So, so what happened? Like, why didn't you get into that? <laughs> I mean, did you get into that after <laughs> No. Well, so I went for my master's afterwards yeah. in international relations okay. at Boston University. I got a scholarship, which was great. Uh, I got that degree. Um, but while I was in that program, I was learning a lot about um, corporate social responsibility and companies going into the developing world, bridging the digital divide, um, doing philanthropy work and things like that. And so I quickly realized, hey, it's not the UN or the governments who have the money necessarily, the resources to make a difference in these developing countries. It's these Fortune 500 companies, it's the corporations. And that's why I went for my MBA. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, which I also did at Boston University. Um, and so I did work in the field of corporate social responsibility after that for a while. Okay. Um, trying to make the world a better place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, no place is perfect, especially governments, you know, and, and corporate and entities, things like that. So everything can be improved upon. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about, you know, like we already started talking about your life after college, right? So you ended up getting your MBA, right? And that was in what, 2003? Yeah, I did that part-time right? while okay. working. Yeah. All right. And so what were your first steps after that? You know, let's sort of lay out your professional career, after that, you know, from 2003 on to now. Okay. Um, so I was working at a nonprofit in Boston um, that focused on climate change. Though my role was working with Fortune 500 companies, corporations. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think um, Nike, Bank of America, Ford Motor Company, Coca-Cola. Those were some of our clients. And we worked with them on... Um, climate change regulations on um, different just awareness. They had programs in place um, which were modeled after the global reporting initiative. So a lot of these companies have to report on their climate change initiatives. So I helped them do that. Um, I helped them with the reports and, and reviewing them and things like that. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but it's a lot of, it's very... <laughs> Time consuming and, yeah. and in the sense of like there's a lot of travel involved. It was neat too, though, because we worked with governments as well as the corporations. So we worked with especially treasurers of pension funds um, about fiduciary responsibilities that they had to look into climate change and and um, uh, the, just the portfolio portfolios they were running. So we even um, did an event with Al Gore at the United Nations, which okay. um, which was amazing. Um, so we had all these state treasurers were there, but also people from the UN, and then the, the you know the heads of these Fortune 500 companies. Uh, it was it was an, that was a great experience. So, and my 
my mom had just worked at the UN. So it was kind of cool that, you know, I was back there. But um, so it went from working there. My husband then at the time um, started working at the Naval War College in Newport. We were living in Boston. It was a little hard to navigate that. So we ended up moving to Rhode Island. Um, I was pregnant. I had our, we had our first child and I didn't really want to keep commuting up to Boston. So I put my career on hold for a little bit. And then, um, after a couple, well, no, after about a year or so found a local company in Jamestown called Environmental Packaging International, um, where I did a similar job in consulting to, uh, corporations, but it was mostly focused on the environmental practices, specifically around packaging. So what this company did was um, one of the things they did was they had um, a database really of all the regulations of every single country in the world of what companies would have to pay in packaging fees. So we don't do it here in the States, but if like a Coca-Cola sells a can of Coke in in France, let's say, they have to pay the French government a certain fee based on the weight of that can and things like that, because Mm. somebody has to dispose of it. Somebody has to pay for that Mm. disposal. So they build that all in and companies pay fees to these governments. Every country's got different rules, different labeling rules. So we managed all that. And based on the languages that I spoke, I was in charge of certain countries that I had to um, be on top of that. So that that was a great job. Did that for a while, four years or so. I don't I don't even remember. Um, then the recession hit in 0809. Um, and we had to take pay cuts because <laughs> companies weren't hiring consultants. Mm-hmm. And but we still had to work the same number of hours. And at the time I remember vividly sitting there with my head in my hands, sitting beyond my computer at my desk, going, What am I doing here? I am missing my kids' field trip right now. I'm not happy. And at that moment I gave five weeks notice and I decided to stay home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a little gap in terms of my corporate career. I stayed very busy doing PTO and other volunteer work, as you can see on there, uh, started Girl Scout troop, been fostering rescue dogs, have been on the board of the military spouses of Newport. So very, very busy. And then I started working with a au pair company called Au Pair in America, Okay. And that um, one of the things I did there or most recently was uh, put trainings together on global awareness um, for families who were going to welcome an au pair so that they could be a little bit more educated on the different, you know, just be culturally sensitive and aware where an au pair from Thailand is going to have different perceptions of what yes and no means than than we do, for example. Can you explain what that is? An au pair. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> an au pair is, uh, in, in this case, a girl. It could be a girl boy from a foreign country who comes here to help take care of somebody's kids. Okay. Now, they're not a nanny because they actually do, go, they're required to go to school while they're here as well. Yeah. Um, so they do have to take classes. Um, they're supposed to get some cultural assimilation, like, do some travel and things like that. They are treated as a family member, not as an employee. Okay. And and they um, they get a, a small stipend, but really, they're they're getting free room and board. So mm-hmm. 
It's a, I actually, when I was little, had three au pairs. So I, okay. I know what it's like. So when my, um, I told you my parents were divorced. Um, so when my parents divorced, we had au pairs from the Netherlands because my mom wanted us to know Dutch and make sure that we knew about the Dutch culture. So, uh, and, and we're still friends, well, at least with one of them. <laughs> yeah. So how many languages do you speak? Four. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, what's funny. I, so I don't, you've met, you met Lars. Molen yes. Before. Yeah. 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 So, um, I He's asked, Swedish. Yes. Yes. I, do you know how to speak Swedish? No, okay. not at all. What about, do you know how to speak German? A little bit. I, okay. I sometimes put that as a fifth half sort of, <laughs> okay, I can so, get away with my Dutch and understand a lot of German. Yeah. So, um, there's this one thing. So, uh, I watched a show called uh, Top Gear, and there's this guy, James May. I don't know if you ever heard of that no, show. No. So um, basically, there's an episode where he says something um, interesting in German. And uh, I can never remember um, what it is, but I just found it. So I want. Uh, so can you say, naturally, Hans is wet. He stand in the waterfall in German for me. Do you want to say that in German? Naturally, Hans is wet. Yes, <laughs> this is this is straight out of James May mouth on one of the most popular TV shows in the world at the time. So, <laughs> and I've wanted to see if somebody who can speak German knows how to say it because that's the only thing he knows how to say in German. Naturally, Hans is wet, and then the rest. He stand Na- in the waterfall. Oh, I don't know what waterfall is. Waterfall, and I guess but Naturally, Hans is not. He's stunder in a waterfall, waterfall. I don't, I don't That's know. That's pretty then. close. So, if you want to read it, it's in the, it's a YouTube video. Yeah. If you want to read it in the description there, you see it underneath uh, in the description there. Oh, uh, yeah. So they say, aber ja, but yeah, natürlich. Yeah, natürlich. Hans is nass. Er steht unter dem Wasserfall. Yeah. So, yeah. So. When Lars was on, I tried to, you know, you know, I should just play the clip. That's the weirdest sentence to know in a foreign language. Like if that's the only thing they know. I'm going to, I'm going to play it here. I don't know how that's going to come across on, on, um, the mic, but I might just when I'm editing it, I'll put that in so that you can that hear is it hysterical. better. That I, you know, Lars knows. I think he knows, a, you know, a little bit, a little bit of German, not a lot like you, but um, yeah, that 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 makes me laugh every single time. I love that show. Um, you have to watch it. It's it's a car show, but I mean, it's hilarious. Like they talk about stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, and they still have a show on Amazon called The Grand Tour, and those. Those three guys are like some of the funniest. They're funniest guys. Like they're on Amazon Prime. You should watch. Uh, Top, so look up Top Gear. Well, there's Top Gear. So that's that's on like Motor Trend. You can find that. But then their new show is The Grand Tour. You should search for that on Amazon. And then um, Jeremy Clarkson, who you know is pretty much a quote unquote city boy. You know, grew up in London or whatever, and. Uh, he bought a farm a few years ago, like a thousand acre farm. Uh, I don't know, somewhere in England. <laughs> I don't, like I said, I like some geography, not great with geography, but in <laughs> England somewhere. Uh, does York sound, York yeah, shot? Yeah, okay. I think somewhere <laughs> over there. 
But anyways, I digress. So he bought all this land, and then they made a show of him learning how to use all the farming equipment. And oh, it's absolutely funny. hilarious. Yeah, uncensored too. So there's swearing galore in it, and it is hilarious. Oh, so I'll have to check that out. It's worth the watch, but we just went off on a tangent. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> rather, We're good. <laughs> I, I went off on a tangent. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm very glad that I was able to bring that up because it makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> But alrighty, so let's go back to where you're talking about. You're talking about the opera. Oh yeah, okay. So that was opera in America. Yeah. Um. And I actually okay. So then, two years ago, a little over two years ago, I met. Um, I was introduced to the N2 Publishing, the mm-hmm. N2 company. Mm-hmm. It's called now, and one of their things that they do is called N2 Publishing. They have separate. They have several arms to their business. Um, and so I started, I came out of training in December of 2019. I started in earnest in January of 2020. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then COVID hit. <laughs> oh, man. It's so crazy because I remember thinking, um, so I was talking about in the beginning of COVID how I was 3D printing masks. Yes. And, you know, I was selling them and I was thinking, I was like, holy crap, that's two years ago. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, it's 2022. Like, wow, these years. It's two years these ago. These two years have yeah. absolutely flown by. Yeah. It's insane. Like, they have. The fastest. And I know, that pe- you know, you hear people say, you know, as you get older, time goes by faster. And it's totally 100% correct. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe it when I heard it. I'm like, how does that work? Just wait till you get as old as I am. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, yeah, Blink only, of an eye. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just crazy. Like, especially like I just think it's just it's just a blur, you know. Like, usually I can go back and think, okay, this is what I did that day. And you look at twenty twenty, I'm like, yeah, I don't remember what. It is. Right, <laughs> you know, right. You no, know, because you know half of it was sitting in my house playing Destiny for the video game for hours upon end and rotting my brain out. <laughs> you know, we did lots of puzzles. Yeah, lots of bottles of wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I was trying to ramp up a brand new business. See, that's the thing is that I find that incredible because it's not it's it's not something where you I mean, it's you're your own boss, like you said, it's it's your own business. Yeah. And it's incredible what you've been able to do, especially with with the sort of hard copy marketing. Yeah. You know, I, um, I don't know if there's a fancy term for what I just said, but like you talk about how Amazon still does it. Um, and it's, it's just kind of crazy because, um, if you guys know already, if you've been listening to several podcast episodes, you know, Tanya's was my first sponsor and I'm very <laughs> grateful for that. Um, forever grateful. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about how I was actually, I had Joe Scott on and we talked about, um, magazines for uh, some reason it just came up. Oh, cause he was talking about golf digest golfers digest. He's like, it's the only magazine I read now. I used to read a bunch, but now it's like the only one I read. And I, I talked about how on the national level, you have all these tabloids, you know, going in grocery stores and things like that. And I don't think I've ever seen maybe like once or twice in my life, somebody buying one of those tabloids, mm-hmm. you know, but, but there's something about having a community, you know, and I talk, and I talk about transparency in businesses all the time and, and people will love it when you support the community. Right. And I think that's why this year, the Wickford way has been wildly successful is because it's a community right it's it's, it's not a business it's a community right and that's that's what it is and and we showcase different people in the community different organizations in the community everybody 
it, it, I, I like to say it emulates kind of that front porch feel when, when back in the day people sat on their front porches, they knew what was going on and mm-hmm. who was who. And, and, and now that doesn't happen. People have decks on the back of their homes instead of yeah. porches in the, in the front. And, and so this is a great way to connect the, the neighbors with each other, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, so back to COVID though, I'll be honest with you, you know, the day the world shut down, um, one other person was also ramping up um, a magazine, actually Narragansett, and she stopped right then and there that that same day. She's like, oh, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, should I be stopping? Like, wait, what? Um and another lady who had just had a baby, she ended up closing her magazine because she couldn't get daycare. She couldn't get childcare. She's like, I can't do this job without childcare. So she ended up closing her magazine. So now I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I supposed to be doing? And then I was like, you know what? I've never quit anything in my life. Everything I've started, I've always finished. And um, I knew I wanted this. I had belief in the product. I had seen how successful it was. It made it through the recession of 0809. In fact, that's when they boomed mm. during that time because businesses still needed to or wanted to be in front of that affluent homeowner. And so I said, you know what? If they made it through that, oh, we can make it through this. And and I did. I, I launched my magazine in, in August, on August 5th and haven't looked back. Do you remember who, you f- who your first like sponsor was? Yes. Yeah. Who was it? Um. Who- Betsy Alexander from Rhode Island Real Estate. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a great magazine. Um, and I I've, I definitely think that there's more potential throughout Rhode Island to have, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. if you know anybody who's entrepreneurial yeah. and wants a flexible schedule, send them my way. Because I think um, the other Tanya who is doing this mm-hmm. in Newport, I don't think she she does it's, it anymore and it's not the same company yeah, yeah. it's not the same company yeah. so that's open right I mean, yeah oh I mean, there's plenty you think, you think newport would be another prime location absolutely for there's a lot of areas that we want to we really want to put new england on the map mm-hmm. we're uh we've been around almost 20 years um we're pretty saturated in some areas uh like the south coast of mass is we've got a ton there um yeah. but we yeah, i would like to see some more here for sure so how many uh magazines do you send out on a monthly basis what well, depends yeah. um on the neighborhoods okay. so there's not so an area director gets a specific neighborhood so yeah. that it goes to every single home in that neighborhood so it depends so okay. we usually don't go to neighborhoods with less than 300 homes um and we usually don't go to neighborhoods more than like 1500 homes so do you want to expand upon your business model a little bit so let's start from like the beginning so it's a magazine. Businesses can sponsor, have a spot in the magazine. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the basic premise of it. That's what pays for it. That's what pays for yeah. it. Yeah. So can you explain sort of what else goes in the magazine sure. and um, how you determine, you know, who gets the magazine, you know, yep. where it goes and. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So N2 will identify neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, when they started, it started with like gated communities down south. We don't have those up here, obviously, uh, but we definitely do have neighborhoods. Um, so in my case, they had identified Wickford and um, I live in North Kingstown. So yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it was a logical connection right there. Um, so 
the magazine goes to every single person who lives in the Wick. I'm going to say Wickford area because yeah. it's not just historic Wickford that this goes to. It goes to a little bit broader area than that. But everybody gets it uh, automatically every single month. They don't have to pay for it. The content of the magazine is actually provided by the readers. So they send in stories about their pets, their kids. Um, they're featured on the cover every single month. So mm-hmm. every single month is a different neighbor. And we get to know that neighbor. Um, we have stories about their volunteer work. Um, we, I, um, we've partnered with a town historian, Tim Cranston, and he provides a historic photo trivia every single month. And then um, from the correct responses, we'll pull a name and that person gets a $25 gift card to uh, one of the places around town. And so that's been very popular. Um, We have sponsors, as you mentioned, the sponsors get spotlighted. So they'll get a two page feature article as well. Um, And I like to um, frame those and give those as gifts to our clients as a as a thank you. It's just it's been phenomenal. Um, the sponsors are also listed in a sponsors index so that the reader has a go-to directory for if they need a service. Everybody in the magazine has, I've met with personally, um, the sponsors. I don't, I, you know, we don't sling ads. <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't just mail, you know, media kits all over the place and, and, yeah. and, get people to sign up that way. We yeah. There are either referrals from people who live in the neighborhood or referrals from other business owners in the, in the magazine. Um, and that, I mean, the readers know that. So they, they trust us. We have a reputation to uphold. Um, the other component to our uh, program, our, our marketing platform is that we do events. Mm-hmm. And so that way the sponsors and the readers get to meet face to face. Uh, and that's been great. And it's also another way to build community. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm really interesting to hear this next question. So we've had a lot of different companies, uh, different types of companies on, uh, and I've asked them about their marketing and I've never had a marketing company on. So how does a marketing company market, market. themselves? <laughs> it's a really good question. So, um, Networking yeah. <laughs> is definitely yeah. one way. Um, another way is um, I actually, we started doing this recently. Uh, I run Facebook ads. Okay. Very interesting because that is probably something I've heard incredibly mixed results it, about. Absolutely. I I concur. It's not a blanket statement where, yeah, it works or it sucks. It definitely depends on the company, the quality of the ad and the content of the ad. Yeah. Um, you know, you see a lot of times like around Valentine's Day, there's these glow heart picture things, you know, and buy it for $20. Those probably do incredibly successful, you know, because it's like, oh, I don't have to look for gifts anymore. Boom, buy it. It's right mm-hmm. there. But then, you know, you can't have it's you barely ever see service based companies, you know, it's m- mostly products, right. I think that I see personally. But I'm, I'm curious to hear your results. You know. Yeah, it's definitely been mixed. Um, this is something we rolled out um, as a company probably last a year ago or so. Um, mm-hmm. So it's being done nationally. Um, some people don't know that they've clicked on something. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll get a lead and they're really like, I don't remember filling anything out. But I think Facebook, like if you click on the ad, Facebook just takes that person's information yeah. and then sends it. So I've had random people 
um, you know, end up in my in my database. They're like, I don't remember doing that. But yeah. some of them are legit and I've actually have sold some ads off of it. So it was worth it. Yeah. Um, but back to your question, um, N2, the N2 company actually has another division called Highport Digital. Okay. And um, they do everything else that's not print. So they will do lead generation. They will do email campaigns. They will do SEM, SEO. I don't even know what all these acronyms mean, but they'll build websites. But they'll also have, you know, how when you stream something that you'll see an ad on top of, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, on top of the, the, well, we do all that. Sort of like so, a hovering box, yes. you know, when you're watching a YouTube video. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Highport Digital, which is not me per se, but our company, will do all that other kind of um, digital marketing for a company. So I can, if I want to, take advantage of that as well. Mm-hmm. We have found that word of mouth, um, well, the, like I said, most of the businesses in my magazine are referred to me. Yeah. And, and that's really how how I grown. I think the most reoccurring effective marketing strategy that I've heard is word of mouth. Absolutely. And, and those are the businesses who do best in our yes, magazine are the yes. ones who, because can you just imagine, Max, that so you're a roofer or a contractor or, or a painter or electrician or, 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 you know, anything, and you did good work or, um, for a house in, in, in let's say the Wickford neighborhood mm-hmm. that their neighbors are going to want to know like, Hey, who did that? Because you're always asking your neighbors and your friends and family mm-hmm. members for referrals for services. So if, if, a business is built by word of mouth and all they have to do is like sell one thing in our neighborhood, you know, it's going to ripple through. And that's yeah. the beauty of this business model, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, just an example for a roofer, you know, we have Ben Tiv and John Henderson. Right. Well, they're Henderson roofing now. Um, and I have no problem talking about these companies because they're great people and they deserve it. They're one of our advertisers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like he is all about word of mouth, leave a review. Right talk about us on facebook you know and i don't they i wouldn't be surprised if they if i mean if they only do google ads like that's the only sort of marketing they do well you know? they're and, in the, and then, and then in our magazine in your yeah. magazine you know yeah. like but when it comes to you know doing a lot of different types like facebook ads or instagram or all that digital sort of marketing i, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't do any of that because they don't really need to i mean they have almost 300 reviews on google that's unheard of right of you know, medium, small to medium sized businesses, you know, in, in Rhode Island or just any bit anywhere. Yeah. You know, like I have 28 and I think that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, um, I just wanted to correct one thing. So yeah. they're not in the Wickford way. They're in, um, Hill Pond and Preserve. I think that's the name of, it. I should know that. <laughs> was that the dog? That the dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He, he I was snores. lying underneath my chair. I had oh, no, no idea. <laughs> Good. That means it sounded like an <laughs> like an elephant in the room, but um, no, they're in our uh, Watch Hill publication. But I just say we because okay. it's you know N two, yeah, so he, yeah. they're in our Watch Hill publication. But you know the other thing is too, we I I talked about this at our BNI meetings. We have many businesses um, who partner with us not because they need to market, mm-hmm. but they want to be seen as a supporter of the community. Exactly. So yeah. John Henderson lives in, in Westerly. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense that he wants to be t- top of mind, but also seen as a community supporter. And I, I can name uh, five people right 
now off the top of my head in Wickford who are in the same boat. Mm-hmm. But they're like, we don't market. We don't, we don't even need <laughs> additional yeah. clients. But we love the magazine and we want to make sure it stays. Yeah. I mean, my business model for my 3D printing company is sort of unique. I mean, I run all online. Like I run Google Ads and that's really it. And I'm part mm-hmm. of DNI. Um, but when it comes to marketing, that's it. You know, I have this podcast. I don't really count on this marketing because I don't do it for that. Right. You know, I do it, you know, like I say in the intro the, of the podcast, you know. But anyways, I mean, it's like the guy that owns this building, you know, Joe, he's like, do you want, he's been talking about getting a sign for me. I'm like, I don't really want, you know, I don't really want to pay for it, first of all. And second of all, it's like, it's like, I don't really need it, you know, because I've had one person find me on Google, drive here, and walk in, <laughs> you know? And he's like, I only did it because I literally live a mile away. And I was like, all right, that's great. I mean, whatever. I mean, um, but it's it's like I'm not a retail. Right. I mean, I'm retail, quote, unquote, for, you know, online. I have an online store, you know, where you can buy stuff. But most of all, mostly. You're not brick and mortar. Yeah. yeah I'm service-based. I, you know, send me an email. You can call me. I mean, but other than that, that's really the only types of interactions we really need to get a project done. You know, a perfect example of this is I've been doing a project. Uh, I did a project for a guy. He lives in Rhode Island, um, but uh, literally he mailed me what he wanted done. He had like a sketch and a rough design. And then I talked to him on the phone, told me more about what he wanted. He sent me an email drew it up, sent him a file, sent him the mechanical draft. He loved it. I printed it, shipped it to him, bada bing, bada boom. Never saw him in person once. Right. You know, and that's really all that needs to happen. Um, I love to meet people in person. I love it when they come here and I show them the printers because honestly, the other day I got an email asking somebody to make for me to make them custom socks. <laughs> custom socks? You know, so like, so... Um, you know, education is a big thing for me. <laughs> you know, I've talked about before, you know, my on the last podcast with Justin Oakley. Um, and I was like, somebody asked me what kind of ink I use, you know? So a lot of times I'll get, I, I actually got an email from somebody who sent me a picture. This looks like it was taken in like 2010 with an, like a really old droid phone. It was really pixelated and it was a picture of him with like this rubber mullet, like this fake mullet, uh-huh. like something out of uh, Joe Dirt. Yeah. And he's like, hey, man, can you print me one of these? And I was I, I was hesitant because I'm like, you know, I do have flexible materials, but I'm not going to be able to, you know, make the, the hair and things like you're going to paint that yourself. But like somebody wanted me to 3D print them a mullet. Like like <laughs> it's it can be done, you know. It's not going to be very efficient. It's going to cost you like over $500 for this. Oh, jeez. And um, he's like, let's do it. But then he never got back to me. So that answered that question. But I mean. I hope you take deposits on stuff like that yeah. before you get going, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of my company is, you know, payment up front, you know, our job doesn't get done. Sometimes depending on the job, if it's expensive, you know, and uh I feel like I trust the person. I'll do half up front and then, right. you know, before I ship it, I'll take the other half or else it doesn't get shipped, you know? 
but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, my company is in terms of marketing is very different than a lot of different companies that I've interacted with, you know, going to networking events and things like that. And um, but yeah, it's very interesting to hear how you market. Um, are there any other types of marketing that you do other than Facebook, word of mouth? No, I have an Instagram site. Yeah. Okay. Yep. At the Wickford Way. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you guys know if you've been listening to a podcast at the Wickford Way. At the um, Wickford Way. Yeah. There's a, we have a lot of followers. I do have somebody to help me with my social media for that. Yeah. Um, I guess there's a whole, you know, rhyme and reason which things to post and yeah, uh, and when. So um, that that's been huge, actually, yeah. more so than Facebook for sure. Have you ever thought about going on TikTok? I have not. I have not even downloaded it. I leave that up to my teenage girls. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, as much as I, it's, I have a love-hate relationship with that platform. Um, you know, it's just like every other plat- social media platform. They do shady stuff. Uh, shady, not another word. Um, but... Um, it's been very effective. Like Jeremy Von Flader, who's right. been on the podcast and sponsored a couple episodes, uh, talked about that. He posts on it. I see it all t- every time he makes TikTok. He sends it to me. <laughs> yeah, I see them. I, I see them too. Yeah, yeah they're one on of our Facebook. clients, so I like to follow them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but st- his uh, but Steve, that guy's hilarious. Uh, have you met Steve? I before? just ran into him this morning, yeah. actually. Yeah, absolutely funny. He, I think he has his own TikTok now, and he just posts stuff around yeah. the house and he does tiktok trends you know he's like you know i don't know how old he is but he he has kids you know and it's funny to see him do, do this stuff but look at who they are their their customer yeah, base is though exactly my customer base is i'm b2b mm-hmm. they're not they're b2c yeah do you know what i mean so i well the point i was getting at i got another tangent there is uh it can be another you know sort of a marketing platform that you use sort of like Instagram that you can say, all right, listen, we post every time we, we get a sponsor, we go visit a sponsor. We Mm -hmm. do a short little TikTok video explaining who they are, you know, what they do. And this is them showing their retail store. If they have one or something like that, post on TikTok, innocent, great videos that you can then share on your Instagram reels. And then Facebook has some sort of reels too. I don't know. That's just an idea, but yeah, um, no, I love it. I mean, we, I try to do videos of yeah. clients. Actually, I didn't realize that I should, or I wasn't knowledgeable on TikTok, so I didn't know you should do that through TikTok. Like, yeah, so, I mean, well, I mean, Instagram. There's Instagram Reels. I'm sure right. your social media person could tell you about yeah. that. You could do that. You wouldn't even need to download TikTok, but TikTok is more known for that short video sort of aspect um, platform. Mm. You know, Instagram recently started doing it and copying tiktok oh you know? okay so okay. like so like if you go to the instagram app um there is the reels which is like right in the yeah, middle right right there yeah um but it's just basically tiktok on instagram it's the same oh okay okay yeah and youtube is even doing that now which is really interesting because uh youtube i think is probably you know the most popular video streaming platform mm-hmm. You know, especially now it's like um, with YouTube Red and and YouTube TV, you know, it's sort of like the only video streaming you need. I mean, other than Netflix and stuff. But like we my dad just got rid of cable. I don't know why I'm going off this tangent now, but 
you know. Because you said YouTube TV. Yeah, that's YouTube why. TV. Okay, there we go. But, you know, we just get streamed through Fubo or whatever it's called now. But and We I could, do YouTube TV. That's yeah, all we have. I could watch TV on this yeah. TV right here, my massive TV. Got rid of cable years ago. Yeah. Saving 100 bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, why would you ever need cable anymore? It, it, it's, it's highway robbery. Honestly, mm-hmm. like it's 230 bucks a month for, for all these channels. That you never watch. Exactly. Like, you know, well, the Hallmark channel is a perfect example. I never watch it, but around Christmas, that's the only channel my mother has on. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we need the Hallmark channel. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> but that's too um, funny. Another tangent, and um, I apologize to my listeners for hearing me go off a tangent on the Hallmark channel, but... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so uh, my, I have to think about TikTok because I do know yeah. the way of Instagram that they're moving towards uh, videos rather than just pictures. Yeah. That's what I'm being told. So I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone and do more of that. And maybe we can snap a little video while we're here. Yeah, I can show you how it, I mean, it's, it's really easy. <laughs> I, I could send you... it to my social media people and they can post it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's easy. I mean, um, it's just literally all you need is your phone. You know, you have these guys with these elaborate setups with these mics on their phones. It's like the average person who's scrolling through TikTok is going to be like, oh, that video had crappy audio. Like, no, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, so I think this is a perfect spot uh, to have our first break and we'll be right back. Hey guys, so that's the end of the break. So unfortunately, I had a little bit of a technical difficulty. And I did not save the rest of the recording correctly. So there's about 25 minutes of audio that was not saved. And the end of the podcast will not be included in this episode. And uh, I'm very sorry to Tanya. Um, She had some great uh, advice and knowledge to share. But the advice that she wanted to give at the end of the episode, you know, every episode I ask, uh, what sort of advice do you want to leave to the listener? And she said, make sure to be grateful and thank as many people as you can. Um, so yeah, that's my apologies, guys, but I'm pretty sure that these that this first 50 minutes um, was packed with some really interesting stuff, and we learned a lot about Tanya and her life. And again, I apologize for the technical difficulties. Um, it's the first time this has happened, and I hope it doesn't happen again. So thanks, guys. Make sure to follow Knowledge is Power on Instagram and follow us on patreon.com forward slash K-I-P-P-O-D. Thanks, guys, and I'll catch you in the next one.